Hey everyone, Joe here with the Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Today we're going to be looking at the Prozata. If you've been following along, um, it's been playing for you. And I've always thought the Prozata was one of the better books to start reading when you began to be a Satru. I'm here with my wife today, Kelly. Say hello. So we're going to go ahead and talk to you about the Prozata, give you our thoughts and our considerations to the actual book and um, together we're just going to go through it and just discuss a little bit so join us while we do that and uh hope you guys are having a good day do you want to do the prayer today cal sure I'll all right okay here you go gods and goddesses Aesir and Vanier, thank you for the blessings you have given us thank you for being with us i ask you to continue to bless us and be by our sides I ask you to continue to help us face the decrees of the norms with courage, honor, and friend. I ask that you help us to do the best that we can for our faith, ancestors, family, and kindred. This day, every day, and always, grant me wisdom, honor, strength, and friend to contemplate, uh, to bring honor to you and, my, and our ancestors. Hail the gods. Hail the gods. Thank you. Bless you. <laughs> so what we're going to do is uh, go ahead and be begin discussing the pros at it here in a few moments. Um, so grab yourself a cup, grab yourself a horn, grab yourself a mug, fill it with your favorite drink, sit back, relax, and join us as we discuss the pros at it. We'll see you in a moment. Hey, everyone, we're back. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for taking the time to just delve into some of these heathen things with us. So when we go over a book, the first thing I like to do is learn a little bit about the person that wrote the book or learn a little bit more about the person um, creating the book. So we know that this is written by uh, Snorri Sturluson. We know he's an Icelandic writer. We know that he lived from like 1179 to 1241. Um, it's always controversial what Snorri writes about because people have always believed him to be a Christian writer with a lot of Christian um, overtones in his writing. So that, that's the first thing. But Snorri um, is actually a descendant of a great poet and hero of the Eagle Saga, E-G-I-L-S Saga. Um, that's Igle Skallagrimson, who was brought up um, at Odie from the age of three in the home of John Lobson, the most influential chieftain in Iceland. Um, this is where Snorri acquired his knowledge of Icelandic tradition and uh, his breadth of European outlook. In 1199, Snorri married his um, heiress and began to acquire lands and power in 1206, he settled at Reykjajolt. Um, that's R-E-Y-K-J-A-H-O-L-T, where most of his works were written between 1223 and 1235. During 1215-18 and 1222-32, to he was the law speaker or president of the Icelandic High Court. In 1218, he was invited to Norway 
by King Haken IV. Snorri began or became involved in politics while visiting the regions. He convinced uh, Haken that he sh could become king of Iceland, and he became Haken's vassal. Snorri returned to Iceland in 1220, but in the ensuing years, his relations with Haken deteriorated, and in 1241, by Haken's order, Snorri was assassinated. <coughs> Yeah, sorry about that. So, you know, Snorri was a a writer of extraordinary things. We look at his stuff today as heathens, especially, as primers for what we should believe in and what we should be doing. Um, I like the prose Edda specifically for this. If you were to read anything about being a heathen, I would recommend reading the prose Edda. And the reason that is, is because the prose Edda outlines what we believe. So we see a guy, basically, who wants to trick the gods. So he disguises himself um, and goes to Asgard, or Valhalla. And when he's there, he begins questioning the gods on what they believe. Now... You might think that that sounds, you know, presumptuous or, sorry, presumptuous or whatever. But in all honesty, if you wanted to learn something, the best way to learn is to, what's the old adage? Go straight to the horse's mouth. Go straight to the horse's mouth. Who knows more about the gods than the gods themselves? Exactly. So, you know, we read this in the first description we get in the whole thing, you know, besides the lady giving land, which I don't know how important that was, but it was important at that time to understand where the land was, um, the plow area and so on and so forth, Gilfi and changing his name to Ganglier. Um, the first thing we see is the great hall that has a roof that's done of what golden shields. I think that's what it's yeah. Yeah. So we know at that moment that he is in Valhalla. Um, there's a really cool quote that um, is said to him that if you're not wise enough, you shall not leave this place or something of that nature, which I thought was really cool. You know, I, I thought, yeah, because he asked how if there's anybody wise among them. And the answer to him was, well, if you're not wise enough, you'll never leave here. So I thought that was pretty funny. And, you know, in the instant that it happened, it was like, yeah. They're almost being condescending to him to say, you know, how wise are you? I mean, he tried to disguise himself so that right. they wouldn't know who he was, but because the gods had this vision of the future, right. they knew exactly who he was. So it was, it was really seems like a game of wits. Yeah, yeah. And who I, could outwit who? Right. I thought it was pretty funny. It almost sounds like something that Loki would do rather than Odin. Right. You know? So the, the next thing I have a question on, and it's not really clear, you know, it talks about the seats and it talks about in the, in the highest low seat is the king. And then from there is Har and then from there is Jafnar and from there is Thib. Um Those names are not known for what we need them to be. I mean, it's not saying specifically their names. Um, I don't know what that is. I've looked in a couple different places. I don't know how important it is. And I don't think it really is that important other than just to tell us what the room looked like. So um, with that said, the next part I, I really want to talk about is how important this book is for us. 
as we go through, not only does it begin to name, like, specifically what the, um, the area is like and what's going on there, but it also begins to name specific things like how the earth is set up. And, you know, from here to here is called Europe. And from here to here is called this. And from here to here is called that. And we know that it sets that up specifically and lines up what we're, what we're looking at and shows us what we're supposed to see of the world. Well, and it tells you a little bit about the nine realms as well. Right. So it talks about Muspelheim, and it talks right. about rivers that are in certain places, and it talks about the prophecies of the beginning and the end. Right. Well, and that's what I was going to get into. It does talk about how we were created as humans, right. which was he calls the greatest of his work or whatever. <clears throat> and then the second part is, you know, it talks about Ragnarok in the end and how everything's right. going to be. Um, but the book describes the world, like the world they live in at the time. Um, Southwest was known as Africa. West to North was known as Europe and Northeast was considered Asia. So it only split the world in three, even though the Norse and the Viking Raiders knew of another part of the world, which was like Greenland, Newfoundland. Right. Uh, they called it Vinland back then, as we all know. Um, it didn't even mention that. And this is well after that time frame. So it's kind of ironic that he mentions that. I don't know if they didn't consider Vinland viable or what, but it doesn't mention any of those. Well, I mean, it's also him writing down the oral traditions of the people of Iceland and things mm -hmm. like that, too. So maybe... This wasn't an important part of this oral history at that right. point in time. The other ironic thing is that they consider the center of the world to be Troy, which really is strange to me because it says that the, the land was more fertile there than in place else. Um, it's just quite ironic. I mean, as we get into the book, there's certain things that, you know, we look at and go, wow, this is really weird or this is really strange that we don't understand. But what I want to say is <clears throat> with all that said that we don't understand, there are the other parts which lead us to, you know, great understanding. Um, like it talks about uh, Muspelheim and the Thride as cold and things grim proceeded from Nelfheim. This is the beginning. It begins telling us the story of how we became, okay, and how the wizards are a race of Vilmid's race. All enchanters are sons of Svathord. All giants have come from Ymir, and it just goes to start putting everything in place for us where we need to understand where we come from. I think it's pretty cool. It's kind of a, uh, an ancestry, a family tree of where we all came from and how all of these worlds and all of us came to be. Right. One of the coolest things I really enjoyed was that um, it began talking about um, – breaking the giant apart Yord to make the world and uh, or Ymir, sorry, of Ymir's flesh, the earth was made and of his sweat, the seas, rocks from his bones, trees of his hair. Again, beginning to understand the outcome of the world and how it began um, and what the giant's race contributed to that. Um, in the east dwells an old hag in the Javnar forest and brings forth their Fenrir's offspring to come them all, one the worst, the moon's devour. So then it begins to get into 
the sun and the moon and how Sunni and Mani circle the earth and how wolves are chasing after them. <clears throat> you know, if, if I had to use this term, to be honest with you, I would, but this is the Genesis and the Bible of our religion, and that's how I look at it. Um, this begins to show what we're supposed to believe in, how we're supposed to believe in it, and um, where everything came from. Um, it even talks about the holy gods and the judgment seat, and thereon took counsel who should the race of dwarves create from the bloody sea and from Blaine's bones. Um, in the likeness of men made they many dwarfs in the earth, as Dar Duran said. And these says the Vala are the names of the dwarfs. Now, this is really cool to me. I mean, this is beyond cool to me. It literally names all the dwarves on the earth. I don't know if these are people that have been, or dwarves that have been um, venerated in any way or anything, or why they're specifically mentioned as thus, but Nai, Nai, Nordri, Sudri, Austri, Vestri, Alf, Joff, Dav, Vavlin, sorry, Na, Nine, Nipping, Dane, B4, Baffer, Bomb, Bomdor, Nor, Or, Onar, Owen, Mjord, Vintner, Vig, Gandalf, which is kind of strange, uh, Vindolf, Thorin, File, Kyle, Funden, Vale, Throw, Throin, Thek, Lit, Vit, Nai, Nyrid, Rek, and Radsvid specifically. And then it says, but the following are also dwarves and dwell in the rocks, while the above names dwell in the mold. Drapnir, Dolgvar, Hor, Hugstar, Hlod, Jolf, Gloin, Dor, Or, Duff, Advar, Hepti, File, Har, Seer. But the following come from the Sverens, sorry, how to Arvinge and Jovald, and from them is sprung Lovar. Their names are Skiffir, Virfir, Scafid, I, Alf, Ingi, Oxkin, Juld, Fal, Frosty, Fide, Gunnar. This is strange because, I mean, I'll be honest with you. You know, most of the time you have to seek this stuff out to get this information, but here it is for us specifically just sitting there. Well, and I'm looking at some of these names, and I think this is where a lot of our English words actually come from. Right. Looking at things like Frosty, which right. means frost. Right, and there's North, South, East, and West, and yeah, then North Street, exactly. East Street, West Street, really South Street. Cool. Yeah. There's Gandalf in there. Yeah, I, I said that before. Yeah. Gandalf is one of our dog's names, so it's just funny to me. Yeah. But there's things in there that I recognize as names that, like, Gunner is a name we use today for our own children. Um. But to see it in this list of these names that are so old and where we got some of our qualities of the earth and stuff from, you know, like Alf, and they, that became the Alf word for Elf, and, right. and Frosty, and North, South, East, and West, and all of those words came from these dwarves' names. So we do marry them in a
Odin gained his wisdom to be the All-Father and why he's known as the All-Father. And it talks about Mimir's well and how Mimir's well um, plays in the whole um, series of stuff. So we're going to break here for a moment. <clears throat> Let me get some water. Let me get um, just a break for a second. And we'll be right back and we'll continue talking about the Prose Edda. Um, I look forward to you all joining us then. So we'll see you in a moment. Hey guys, this is Joe at Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Hoping you're having a good and uh, great day. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this YouTube channel that I found called Midgard Musings. It's by a man named Jesse and it is incredible. He has new videos uploaded on the channel every Sunday night and he has a live Facebook stream every Sunday at 7pm um, Central Standard Time. Midgard Musings' goal is to help build heathen communities around the world with educational content and laid-back fun manner. He values the historical aspect of this path and uses it to help us grow and develop as heathens in modern times. So if you've been a heathen for a while or just brand new to it, definitely check it out. It's something worthwhile. If you'd like to support Midgard Musings by subscribing to youtube.com forward slash Midgard Musings, following on Facebook and purchasing merchandise from the Teespring and Redbubble stores. Redbubble, say that three times. All of which can be found on the YouTube channel video description. Midgard Musing also offers handmade driftwood rune sets for sale, and the purchase of these items helps support the channel. Just to touch base on that a little bit, I actually own one of those rune sets. They're incredibly nice, good feel, wonderful stuff, good power within them. I'm telling you, worthwhile checking out. So please head on over to Midgard Musings. Like and subscribe to the channel and follow on Facebook and on YouTube at facebook.com slash Midgard Musings and youtube.com slash Midgard Musings. M-I-D-G-A-R-D-M-U-S-I-N-G-S will find you that Midgard Musings. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Okay, everyone, we're back. I'm here with Kelly again. Say hello, Kelly. Hello. So we're talking about the uh, prose edda, and we're getting a little bit farther along in it. Um, after all the stuff it talks about with uh, the well and how Odin gained his wisdom, it begins talking about the actual city of Asgard and how it was built and the Rainbow Bridge came about and um, other remarkable things um, that are said, and it talks a lot about um, the ash tree or Yggdrasil. Um, it gives us a, a little bit about what goes on in it. Um, the branch of the ash and a bit of the leaves, their names are Dane, Dvain, Duni, and Durathro. In Fel let me just get this right. Fergalmir with Nidhug are more serpents than tongue can tell. As is here said. And it's a, a short poem right, so, about, or I guess a poem, poem or saying about Yggdrasil, yeah. more about what it is. The Ashtrigdrasil bears distress greater than men know. Stags bite it above, at the side its roots, Nidhug gnaws it below. And so again it is said, more serpents lie neath 
the useful ash than is thought of by every foolish ape. Gain and moan, they are sons of Grafnir, Grabek and Graf, Grafwild, Ofnir and Svenir must, for A, methinks, gnaw the roots of that tree. Again, it is said that the Norns that dwell on the fountain of Erd every day take water from the fountain and take the clay that lies around the fountain and sprinkle therewith the ash in order that its branches may not wither or decay. The water is so holy that all things that are put into the fountain become as white as the film of an eggshell, as is here said, an ash no high yggdrasil, a high holy tree. With white clay sprinkled fence comes the dews that fall in the dales. Green forever it stands over Erd's fountain. So we learn a little bit about Yggdrasil here that, you know, the serpents are below. Um, there's stags eating at the tree. Yeah, there's stags eating at the, at the tree, at the bark, and that the serpents below are eating at the roots, and trying to kill it. my favorite character, who's right at Hoss. That runs back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> Telling lies to, to, to the serpent at the bottom and the uh, the uh, the hawk, the eagle at the top, and just running back and forth. And I can just imagine this little squirrel running back and forth, just telling stories to everybody to try and get them to fight each other. Right. I always thought that was funny. Like, it's just a humorous part of it. And I know that there's, there's meaning behind it, but for me, it's always been a humorous part of it. So, as as we move on through the book, um, oh, you, you know what I like too? I, I read an article one time that said, um, so you have Ratatosh that runs up and down. You got the serpent on the bottom. You got right. the, the eagle, eagle on top. top. Now, the eagle sees everything. But on his head, there's a hawk that sees what he, he cannot see. That, that just boggles my mind. It's like, <laughs> so if he sees everything, how does this thing see what he cannot? And as I began to really understand what I had saying is that, it sees him because he can't see himself. Right. So not only is the watcher watching, but the watcher's also being watched. Right. And I thought that was pretty funny. So it's just pretty cool. Um, the other thing, you know, it gets into, it gets into real specific things like Oda is called the Alpha, all father for he is the father of all the gods. He is also called Vol father for all who fall in fight are his chosen sons. For them, he prepares Valhall or Vingolf, where they are called Einherjars, or heroes. He is also called Hengagod, Haptagod, Framagod, and he gave himself still more names when he came to King Girod. Grim is my name, and Ganglar, Harjan, Hyambor, Thik, Thried, Thud, Ood, Hellblind, Hair, Sad, Svapel, Sangatel, Heretel, Niker, Bilegi, Bilg, Bolverk, Fjolner, Grimmer, Glapsvid, Fjolsvid, Sidhot, Sidkeg, Sigfather, Nikud, Allfather, Atride, Farmarder, Usk, Om, Jafnar, Biflindi, Gondlir, Harbard, 
Zvidur, Zvidrir, Jolk, Kjaller, Vidur, Thro, Yig, Thund, Vak, Skifting, Vifud, Hroptitir, Gut, Veritir. I mean, these are all crazy names. Right. It sounds like you're going down a list of a Star Trek cast. Yeah. I think you missed a whole chunk here. What's that? There's a whole description of what the the gods' homes and stuff look like. Oh, yeah. It describes the big city and how they built. I talked about that. I didn't want to get too much into that. I'm getting more into the real um, nitty-gritty of what we believe in and how we you know, do the same. Hammers, 
half. You know, that that's one thing that most people don't even know about Thor. You know, they talk about the Thor's hammer all the time. And because in the modern age we have Marvel Comics, who's done a great job of bringing Thor out to the world, right, right. Um, and every kid knows who Thor is now, and most adults know who Thor is, but they didn't bring the true ideals behind. You know, in the movie it talks about, oh, you can't pick up the hammer unless you have the heart of Thor. In reality, it's you can't pick up Molnir at all unless you have those gloves because the power in the it is so and great. The and right. All of that to be yeah. Able to lift Molnir. Yeah. Um. So he talks more about the Aesirs and gets into that. Um. And he talks about different ones, um, like Njord and stuff like that. But he even gets into like um Freya and different people of that nature. I think and the horses. This is where we get most of our descriptions. Yeah, this of, is Hemdall. How they look and, and how they act and what their right. roles are in, in our mythos our mm. or our. Well, I like, I like the story of Hemdall, um, is the name of one. He is also called the White Asa. He is great and holy, born of nine maidens, all of whom were sisters. Right, right. So that's kind of <laughs> crazy. Nine mothers? How does that yeah. even work? <laughs> uh -huh. I guess and he, it does somehow. You know, he has golden teeth, um, his horse, gold top or gold top. He dwells in a place called Himenbjorg near Bifrost. He is the ward of the gods and sits at the end of heaven. Now, this is where we begin to really look into some of the things that right. you know Snorri is Christian because he talks a lot about um, Asgard as being heaven. Heaven, right. right. And, and uh, heaven upon heaven. Right. And, you know, maybe because this is the only way that people would understand this at this point in time, too. Mm -hmm. um, you got to remember that, that these countries were all becoming very Christian countries. How do you describe Asgard as anything other than heavenly to somebody who is a Christian at this point in time? Right. I also like that it says that he can hear the grass grow yes. and the hair on the back of a sheep and yes. anything louder than that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and some of the books I've read, he can see everything. He's blind, but he can see everything as well. Right. He can see 100 miles around him. Yeah. As well as a night as by day. Amazing to me that he is. There's a um, Hitler. It says that he's blind but can see everything. Right. So that to me is amazing too. That you know he, he's such a contradiction of himself. That, right. You know, on some things, which I think is incredible. Yeah, and I really enjoy them discussing the different gods and so on and so forth in the actual book. Um, it's really cool because it really gives us a primer for who we feel like we're connected to right. um, and how we feel, you know, we venerate each and every one of these gods and gets us to do more for them and get their favor. Right. I mean, that's, that's basically what the book does. Again, I'll say it one more time. I believe if anything I could call this, I could call this the primer for heathenry. Um, it's a little hard to understand. And I know it's really hard to understand some of the language in there and the, the words, even as you can tell, I have a hard time, um, explain them, and I know people can easily do that, and they they do, and um, it's a lot easier. My wife's getting a call, so bear with us I'm one sorry. second. Oh, oh. 
So I'm going to go to a break here for a moment while she takes this call, and I'll be right back with uh, everyone, and we'll go over a little bit more and do the closing and just see where we are. I, I do look forward to you guys um, commenting about this, and you can get me at modernheathenman at gmail.com, or you can go on Facebook and look up The Modern Heathen Man. Um, I have a page there, so I look forward to hearing from you, so we'll be right back. Hey guys, Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking. Great little place out there. It makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and... Um, gods and everything in them, little sayings and such. Wonderful work that this man does. Cars everything by hand. He has a couple things going on here. He has little pocket altars that I'm talking about for $25. He has small D poles of 5 to 6 inches for $40. 7 to 8 inches for $45. 9 to 10 for $50. And 11 to 12 for $60. He has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day. Your choices right now are Odin, Thor, Tyr, Loki, Freyr, Balder, Bragi, Hemdall, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Skadi, Sif, Er, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Njord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So he can meet anybody's needs. Tell him what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odinsbeardwoodworking.com. He also has a Facebook page, and I know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things. Anyway, give him a good uh, look-see there and see if he has something that you can use. I guarantee his little pocket ultras will come in handy for you. So anyway, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, we're back, and thanks for uh, continuing to join us as we talk about the um, Prozetta. So, you know, it's gone through all the stuff with the gods. It's gone through where they live, how we were created, how the Earth was created, how the realms were created, what everything looked like, and all that other stuff. Then it gets into the the meatiness of the, the meat and how man survives even after death. Um, it begins to talk about how we have a soul that continues on even after we... Um, we are living here on Earth, and they continue to live. And it begins to talk about um, Valhalla, Valhall, whatever you want to call it, where Folkvanger, Hell, and a couple other places where the dead go. It talks about how <clears throat> the dead are chosen to go to Valhalla, how um, Hell gets her choice first, no, or Freya. No. Freya gets her Freya first, gets her first first choice first. Yeah, they get a full honor. Right, and then Odin gets his choice, and if you don't go to those places, you end up going to hell, which isn't hell like Christian hell. It's just a place we go where we farm and become friends and have a good time. It's basically the same thing as living on Earth. You're just continuing that existence. And then there's a place for people that die at sea, 
Yeah, yeah, specifically people that die at sea go to a special place. And then there is really a bad place for really bad people. And it doesn't even give a name for it. But it's uh, well under the roots of Ingersoll with all the snakes and stuff. So it gets into all that. The, The gist of this book is that this guy tried to trick the gods and tried to get them to... Um, tell them, story, yeah. Know, to tell them their story and, and to tell them who they were and, and to do all of these things and make him. It almost seemed like he wanted him to make them him one of them. Right. So, but the gods knew that this was going to happen, so they went ahead and they they wanted to fool him, as we said before. It's kind of like a who can fool who the best, you know. And my favorite part is the end of the gofagging portion of the actual book. Um, where it talks about um, when Ganglier heard a terrible noise on all sides, and when he looked about him, he stood outdoors on a level plain. He saw neither hall nor berg. He went his way and came back to his kingdom and told the tidings which he had seen and heard. And ever since, those tidings have been handed down from man to man. It's funny. I, I'm sorry to say this, but it's funny. And you know what it reminds me of, really? What? It reminds me, remember that, that movie we watched, Eric the Viking? Yeah, where they just dropped him <laughs> off in the middle of nowhere. Well, no, no. Like, how they saw oh, everything, yes. but the Christian guy couldn't see anything. Yes. So they get to the doors of Valhalla, and they knock on the doors because they want to visit the gods. And they have this monk with them who can't see Valhalla. Right. He doesn't see anything That's going right. on, yes. right? Yes. And they're like, what, you don't see the giant door there? And he's like, door? what door, you know? And he's like, we're just standing in a field. And they're like, we're not standing in a field. This is Valhalla, right? And the monk like walks through the door. And they're just like, what in the world just happened? Because to him, he doesn't see anything. And it's just, it's really funny because he gets back after this huge trip to Valhalla where they go to get the, what's called the sounding horn to save the world or something like that. And this monk just doesn't see anything that happened through this whole trip. Right. And he's like, I don't know what you all are talking about. I didn't see any of that. So it's just kind of funny. It reminds me that if you get a chance, it's a comedy. I know most people. Yeah, it's an old comedy. It's called Eric the Viking. It's actually available on YouTube for free. If you just look up Eric the Viking, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube for free. But it is funny as can be. Um, It makes a little light of being being a Norse pagan and being a Viking. Yeah. it's kind of a good thing. I mean, it still gives you an idea of some of the things that we believe. Yeah, yeah, it stays true to form, except for the gods or kids and some other stuff like that. But, you know, it's just, it's meant to be funny. If you get a chance, check it out. I mean, this is pretty funny where, so they they decide that they're going to go ahead and trick him and um, really... You know, it kind of reminds me of, like, I hate to say this way, but a doctor who episode where a doctor who just ends up somewhere and doesn't know what's going on and he has to figure out or she has to figure out what is going on, how to fix the problem, and what to do. And it just kind of reminds me of something like that as well. Right. But the best part about this whole thing, again, is it's a primer for what we believe, how we believe, where our beliefs come from, what the stories behind them are. And this is where most people get a lot of their stories from. I wish there were a more modern version of the prose edda uh, you know i almost want to take on the mantle and write it because it seems so simple to write something like this and get it out to the people just something easy to read i mean even listening to it and i know we want to stay traditional 
but even listening to it is kind of hard because the words are different, the language is different, and how they portray things are different than what we're used to. I think the closest thing you're going to find to something like this, that's almost the prose edda, and it's not too... Uh, promote the book or anything right. it is going to be Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman. Right, and that's why I also play the um, Sons of Odin by right. Padre 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 Polo. Polo. Right. So those are going to be your best or modern takes, at least right. the stories. But it's not as in-depth as this is. That's no, it's what I'm not saying. really yeah. in-depth. Yeah. You know, those are good places to start, <clears throat> and then to go to the original sources of those stories is probably a good idea. Right, right. But to get your to get yourself familiarized with it. Yeah, to get your lips wet on yeah, yeah, some, yeah, some water, so yeah. Those are some, you know, you're, you're using the milk to get to the meat of, of it. And, right. and, you know, that's kind of what it is. It's taking a baby step to learn about what you need to learn about to get to this point where you can actually get something out of this particular thing. Right. So the next part of it is called the Skull Scapermole, and it, it's basically poetry, and there's a couple of um, different things in there you can look up, and it's about the gods and poetry about them, Thor and Hunger, and Thor's journey to Girods, and it talks just basic little poetry. The last portion of the Prosetta is um, a series of, I don't know, I want to say songs. It's called the Hatatol, and it's about 20,000 words. It's the last section of Prosetta. There's not many translations for it at this point. It's really hard to find out. Um, this is the full Prosetta. It's not what's actually on the recording. The right. recording is just the, um, the first part. Gilfagating, right. Um, so stay with the Gilfagating. Learn about that if you can. Again, if you guys have questions, please don't hesitate to ask. You can either email me at uh, modernheathenman at gmail.com right. or get on the Facebook page, um, The Modern Heathen Man. I'll be happy to answer everything. Um, there was a listener who just sent me something really funny um, today, which was really cool. And it's like when you forget the mead to the... When you can't find mead for the blow, you bring uh, Jack Daniel's honey. Yeah, Jack Daniel's American honey. That is pretty funny. And it's like the... The pro gamer move. Right. It's not quite the right solution, but it works. Right. So, so we in America are getting ready to celebrate um, the July Fourth holiday. Yeah. Um, you'll be receiving this on July third. This will be your uh, July third um, podcast. Yep. So I want to tell everybody tomorrow to be safe, um, to have a good time with your family, honor the Einherjar that fought for our freedom. Honor those that really made us free, um, not just the piece of paper or the bell that rings that says we're free, but the guys and uh, women who fought to make us free, those yeah. people who froze at Valley Forge, who um, fired the first shots and made us what we are today, made us a great nation. Um, as a modern heathen, we need to understand that Iron Harry are come in many shapes and forms. They're not just the Viking dead. They're any um, warrior that fights for truth. And, you know, we're, we're lucky in our family tree to have some pretty, pretty amazing patriots, yeah, pretty we do. amazing yeah. um, ancestors to venerate on July Fourth. Yeah. Um, Joe's family is the family that saved the Liberty Bell from being melted down and took it from Philadelphia to Allentown, Pennsylvania, and hid it in the uh, basement of a church. Yeah, the old Zion um, Church. 
whole Zion Church. And yeah. my family, uh, one of my relatives was a general under General Washington and helped Washington spies on Long Island. Yeah. So that's pretty, I mean, those are some pretty major ancestors to venerate. And hopefully yeah. they're part of the Iron Harry Guard because of things that they did. Well, mine, he didn't battle anybody. He just <laughs> dressed up a bell with manure and a dress. I don't know. Well, if we if we read anything right, he didn't because he never went to war. But either way, I may see him in hell, so that would be good in Helheim, and I get to talk to him about it. But definitely look back, and the Einherjar are there. We know of them. Their cemetery is full of them. We need to honor them, and you know, bring them the light that they deserve for their sacrifice, literally. Um, so, with that said. Have some barbecuing, share some meat with your friends, um, let them into heathenry, um, start teaching them about it when they're there. You know, just touch them lightly if you can. But, uh, yeah, start bringing us out. And those freedoms that we enjoy here are solely because of those people. So um, have a good July 4th weekend. Have a great holiday. Um, spend some time with your family. Venerate your ancestors. Venerate those Einherjar that are, you know, there. And have a good time. So I'm going to say have a happy 4th. I will come to you on the 4th, and we'll talk then a little bit more, probably with Kelly again. So I want to thank you all for listening. If you want to contact me again, modernheathenman at gmail.com or go to the Facebook page at The Modern Heathen Man. I'll be more than happy to respond to you. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Hey, guys. Joe here from Modern Heathen Man. I wanted to tell you about this great new place that I found. It's a really safe place for heathens of all walks. Um, it's called the International Satru Foundation. They have their own social network platform called the Roots of Yggdrasil. And the International Satru Foundation is an organization that is dedicated to the preservation, growth, and advancement of Germanic paganism. They build networks, share knowledge, and gather in pursuit of common goals. As an organization, they operate at the kindred level and encourage you to explore and ask questions throughout that time frame. Their vision is easy. It's heathens from every walk of life working together for a common goal. The reveal and continued practice of Germanic paganism for everyone worldwide. The things that they're doing are really exciting. They strive to help you understand heathenry better and the different paths of heathenry and Germanic paganism. They educate the public about the faith. They gather to share knowledge, build reputable resources for learning, and work towards common goals set by the community itself. They're working on starting a whole school program to make very good educated Gothi, and working on a program specifically for our warriors. Everyone is free to walk their paths as he or she wills, but I'm telling you, this is the greatest place to go. It's a safe haven for heathens. If you're tired of all that Facebook banter and getting banned and going to Facebook jail all the time, they have their own social media network where you're safe to talk about heathenry all day long with other heathens. They're really specific on who they let in there, and it's only heathens talking with heathens. That's all there is to it. So go ahead and check it out. Their address is asatru.org with the real spelling with the hashtags above the A and the U. So make sure to go ahead and check them out, and uh, hopefully we'll see you join there, the International Satru Foundation. Thanks, guys.